Good morning and hello. It's good to be here with you today. Thank you for joining us if you're online. It's so good to have you together as we worship the Lord. Uh, again, praise team, worship team, thank you so much for leading us and focusing our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. New. New can really be exciting. Um, I remember the joy my children had when the used RCA console color television that I had purchased used in the late or mid-1980s, okay, it's back a few years, it finally died somewhere around the year 2000 or so. And it was joy in the house because we got a new television with a remote, <laughs> no longer having to get off the couch and turn the channels. It was so exciting. New. New can really be scary and challenging and unnerving because we go into uncharted territories. The pandemic has been new and not fun. Acts chapter 13 is a, an important chapter in the, in the story of Acts that Luke records for us because there's something new that's happening. Uh, it's about 15 or 16 years, maybe a few more years, somewhere in there, since Jesus has been resurrected and ascended to heaven. And there's been a, a lot of change that's happened. I mean, if we think about it real quickly, uh, there were just a handful of believers on the, on the day of Pentecost, and then suddenly 3,000 were added to the church. What a huge change. <laughs> Exciting. Uncharted territory. Unnerving. And then uh, persecution scattered the church, and, and people were concerned about that, but yet the gospel was spreading as people continued to go and make disciples. Uh, Peter had to have a vision from God to go to the Gentiles. That was something that was, he wasn't comfortable with, and yet God kept pushing the young church out. So, so now Jew and Gentiles are equally being presented with the gospel. It's not limited to the Jewish chosen people, but to a broader kingdom of people that God's going to form who are chosen and called. The wall between them, Jew and Gentiles, being torn down by God the Spirit. And both before his resurrection... And after his resurrection, Jesus said this to his disciples. John tells us this in his gospel. And Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. A major shift in the early church is going on. And chapter 13 changes that focus. Now, instead of Jerusalem being the center, the church in Antioch is kind of the sending out church. And that's on purpose, Luke wants us to see how God is moving the church out, the people of God, the followers of Christ, out into the world. How did believers know what to do? How do they know who to send? Well, God the Spirit wants us to know through this chapter, I believe, how God worked in those people as they were obeying and sending them. Like them, we're sent. Word of the day, sent. The larger picture. Have your Bibles open. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. I want us to look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In Luke's gospel in chapter 4, Luke wrote Acts, so we go to Luke's gospel in chapter 4. There's a great connection there. Jesus was sent by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. He was sent out into the wilderness to be tempted. And, and after he successfully uh, 
fellowshiped with God and fasted and prayed and resisted the Satan's temptations to him, he came back to Galilee, out of the wilderness to back to Nazareth. In verse 16 of chapter four, we read this. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the, years, the, Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all the eyes of the people were on him. And he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. Why did I want to go back there to see the larger picture? Jesus read that passage from Isaiah and he stopped just before the prophet Isaiah announced words of judgment on the people of Israel. And Jesus stopped there. And do you notice the reactions of the people who heard him read this scripture? They were speaking well of him. They were amazed. Wow, what a great preacher. We know this guy. Can I touch you? Can I shake your hand? Can I have your autograph? They were really excited about Jesus and what he was saying. But look what happens next. Jesus said to them in verse 23, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you've been doing in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut up for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel who, were, who had leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard that. <laughs> what changed? The proclamation that it wasn't just for Jews, but for the whole world, this gospel that Jesus was preaching and the Jews in Nazareth did not like that message. Same for the disciples in Jerusalem. They preached the gospel and there was much praying like Jesus did in the wilderness, preparing for ministry and the Holy Spirit filled them and they were worshiping the Lord in Jerusalem and they preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost and many believed, but many rejected it. And the disciples in Antioch, we read there in Acts chapters 13 through the end of the chapter, through the end of the book, we'll be reading how everywhere the Paul went as a missionary. He preached the gospel. He was praying. He was filled with the Spirit. He was being led by the Spirit. This familiar pattern of praying and worshiping and fasting and seeking the Lord's direction. And the message was received by many and rejected by many more. The larger picture. Here we are gathered in Jesus' name this morning. You're here because I believe you want to hear the word of God preached. You want to worship our risen Savior and Lord. As God has sent Jesus into the world, he has sent us into the world, and we should expect the same response to the message. So why are we surprised? 
that some will receive it when we share the truth of the gospel and many will not, many will oppose. Here we are gathered and we need to ask, what's next for us here at Grace Chapel, part of the body of Christ in Havertown? What is it, Jesus, Spirit of God, you want us to do? Because change is inevitable. <laughs> the believers in Jerusalem saw that the boundaries of the kingdom were being expanded culturally, geographically, nationally. It wasn't the way it started. How do we adjust? How are we going to know how to take uh, the gospel of Christ in meaningful ways out to the world to a people we're not sure want to hear it? It's by worshiping, by fasting, by praying, by seeking to obey. Those are the key elements. And it's not unfamiliar to us. I went back to Luke chapter 4 because Jesus is the pattern that the disciples followed in the book of Acts, that the people in Antioch followed, that we should take lessons from their steps as well. It shouldn't surprise us that people receive the gospel and many don't. But take heart. <laughs> God, the Spirit's given us these words to help us do it better in 2021. Don't forget the larger picture. The writer in the Hebrews tells us that we have this great cloud of witnesses so that we focus our eyes on Jesus and follow him because he's the author and perfective of our faith. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. Don't quit sharing the gospel. So let's take a look at, the, at Acts chapter 13. Let's read those first three verses together again. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. We keep saying that Acts is not prescriptive, but descriptive. In other words, there's no prescription here. We aren't told how to pray. We aren't told how to fast or for how long. We aren't even told how they worshiped or what they were doing. Sometimes I wish God would have told us. There's no prescription here that says, do this and the Holy Spirit will guide you. But there is description, and we can take clues from the Gospels of how Jesus prayed, how he worshiped the Father, how he depended on him, how the disciples did it in the book of Acts and other places, and we can say, that's what we should be doing. They imitated Jesus on the how and the what, and we can do the same. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Now, who is the they? Who are these people? Well, we might think it's just the, the small group there of prophets and teachers, but it's more likely that it was the whole church gathered together, all the people of God worshiping and praying, not just the prophets because, and the teachers, because when Paul and Barnabas came back from their mission uh, trip, they told the whole church what they had been doing. In Romans chapter 12, and by the way, Glenn, thank you for defining worship. We did not collaborate about that. 
But in Romans chapter 12, familiar verses, listen, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, it's talking about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, in view of his great love for us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, that, uh, that is, set apart to God and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do, no, do not any longer be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do we know where to go or what to do? What are your gifts? Paul talks about that a little bit later on in the book, in this chapter. Serving God and others. What are your gifts? What are mine to help the Christ church go out and make disciples? How do we find out? James tells us if you lack wisdom, ask, pray. Ask God for help to understand your trials. That's the immediate context of James chapter one, but we can apply to what's our next step in ministry? Grace Chapel, people, friends, family here. We have this great opportunity laying before us. We've been through a lot of change. What new directions would God have us go? How are we going to find out? Leaders have a part in that. But it's not just the pastors and the elders and the deacons and the ministry leaders who need to worship and pray and fast. We all have to do it. We need to do it together. New situations and new challenges are facing us. Our culture is changing so quickly, we hardly know what to do. But yet Jesus has sent us here for this time and place to take the gospel out there. And we can do it through the power of the Spirit who wants to show us what to do if we just would ask. And I think sometimes we know what we should be doing, we're just afraid to do it. What is our role in making and growing disciples in our community? We're not the only body of believers here, so how can we work together to grow the body of Christ as Jesus would have us to? To hear that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that there's no one else who can lead us to God and give us salvation. What's the right thing for us to do with our finances and our buildings? That's a huge deal. We're praying now, but would you join us in doing that? Because we need to know what God would have us to do, and we can't figure it out on our own. How can we be clear and know what to do? By worshiping. Giving Jesus praise and honor. And then listening, having an attitude to hear. We refer to it often. Revelation chapter 2, the, the, the believers in Ephesus, Jesus said, you've been doing a lot of great things, but you've left your first love. You need to return to me. Well, how do you know when you've left your first love? How do you know, like the people in Laodicea that thought they were healthy and wealthy and wise, and Jesus said, you guys are sick. You're neither hot nor cold. You can't see. You're blind. You need salve for your eyes. Our hearts are deceptive. How do we know? How do we know we need to return? How do we know we've gone astray? How do we know we're blind and can't see? By gathering together to worship, to fast, to give up something, to concentrate and to hear God's voice, 
to know his voice so we can follow it to pray and to ask. We need God's wisdom. Read Acts 13, 1 and 2 this way. In the church in Antioch, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. Hey, there were a lot of other godly prophets and teachers there. How do you know it's Saul and Barnabas? How does the Spirit of God speak? It's when we worship him together. It's when we fast together and ask for him to lead us and guide us. when we pray. When we obey. Gathered in fellowship and an attitude to hear the voice of God. Have we worshipped the Lord this week? Or do we just go through the motions? <laughs> it's so much more than a Sunday event or a Bible study or music and singing. It's surrendering our wills to our leader, to our Lord, to our King, to our Savior. It's being in step with his heart. You know, Micah tells us what worship is. Worship that pleases God. He showed you, O oh man, and may I add, and woman, women, <laughs> what it is, what is good, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's worship. That's an all-life-serving God. Have I worshiped God this week? The larger picture just helps us understand what God wants to do. We see how Jesus and the followers in Antioch applied God's word and they used it and they were led by God. And, and what's really cool then too, just real quickly pointing out in verse 3, so they prayed, they fasted and they prayed and they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So this was authorization. This was off, uh, a giving authority. This was giving blessing. This was identification. They were sending Saul and, and Barnabas out and saying, you have the approved message and we approve of your godly attitudes and your godly characters. Go in the name of Jesus. We send you out. And notice in verse four what it says. The two of them sent on their way by the church. No, it doesn't say that. Sent by the Holy Spirit. So what? Great confidence to know that it wasn't just the church blessing them, putting their hands on them and sending them out, but it was the Holy Spirit who really orchestrated it all because they had been worshiping, fasting, and praying together to hear God's voice. I need to grow in dependence on the Spirit of God. How about you? How do we get to this place of knowing God's will with certainty instead of kind of floundering around and saying, what do we do next? How does that come about? We have a part in that. Did I, did I mention worshiping? and fasting, and praying. You know, the church in Antioch started 
by people we don't even know who they were. It wasn't any of the big guns. It wasn't the apostles who did it. It was just disciples. It was just regular people like you and me who, who believed in God and they had gifts and they exercised their gifts and they went out and they shared the gospel the way they were supposed to. The way that so many of you are already just trying and, and we need to come alongside one another and help one another do that. They were the chosen ones. They were the called out company and they shared the gospel and the church was born in Antioch and Gentiles believe and Jews believe and Paul and Barnabas came there, excuse me, it's still Saul, and Barnabas came together there and they taught the word of God and it grew and we're part of that same company. Jesus taught us what to do. He enabled us. Listen to his words. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. See, that's faith. That's believing the gospel of Jesus, that he's our savior, that he died for us. But then we follow him. We go where he's sending us. The man who puts these words into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man. <laughs> so there's this major shift happening in, the, in, in Acts chapter 13. Saul and Barnabas. Barnabas and Saul are sent out. And, and Luke just does this real quick overflow, over, overview on Cyprus. They sailed to Cyprus. They hit the east coast. It says they landed at the port. And, they, and then all of a sudden there's just no in between. It just mentions they preached in the synagogues. And then they focus on Paphos. Why that city? Because there's a name change. Look at verse 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, and he's never called Saul again in the book of Acts because that's his Gentile name. So we see God moving from Jew, Jewish focus to Gentile focus. Now it's equally preaching in the synagogues, but also preaching to the Gentiles. A whole new thing. People of God, church of God, called out ones. Are we ready to adjust to the people, the new people, the different people that God wants to send us to? How do we know what to do? You know the answer. I won't repeat it. There's a leadership change as well, because from now on, Paul is always mentioned before Barnabas. Just the shift. That was what God, God had called Paul to do, and the church of God, the people of God, adjusted to us. And then Luke takes time to focus on one special event, Elymas. The magician. I love the ESV that says he was a wicked man, a villain. <laughs> villainy. You and your trickery and your villainy. And notice it says that Paul, verse 9, was filled with the Holy Spirit. So when he brought this curse down on this magician, this one who was resisting the gospel, who was trying to prevent Sergius Paulus, this leader, this Gentile ruler, from hearing the gospel and believer, Paul just looked him right in the eye, it says, and said, you wicked man, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery or villainy. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him. 
Luke lets us know that Paul was filled with the Spirit, so we know that this just wasn't a whim, that Paul wasn't having a bad day and didn't like this guy and decided to do something mean. But here was someone who was resisting the gospel. Here was a man who was hungry for the gospel to believe it. And this Elymas was getting in the way and he looked him in the eye and said, move out. God is against you. And when God is against you because you're against God, look out. Why was Paul so stern and strong? Because the gospel, the truth of God, the salvation of God through Jesus Christ was being stopped And he would not let it be stopped because he had the authority, like you and I have the authority, to preach the word of God everywhere we go. Now, we have to be wise how we do that. We have to be careful how we do it. But if we are worshiping and fasting and praying and in step with the Spirit, we will know what to do. Steve and Judy, I am so excited. It's a ghost Sunday next week. You better be here to hear what God is doing. Whether big or little ways in our world near us and far away, we have a part in that. Peter was filled with the Spirit when he spoke boldly earlier in the book of Acts. And why did Paul choose blindness? Well, from personal experience, he knows what blindness can do. Jesus blinded him and brought him to his senses. And Sergius Paulus was saved because of Elimus' blindness. And maybe the hope was that this guy would come to faith too. The magician would turn. We don't know if he did or didn't. There's no report. Do you know what my sermon title was today? That's okay. (laughs) I know. Sent. It's no accident because I kind of mentioned it at the front end and I just want to mention it at the back end. Jesus has sent us into this world right now, a world that might not seem, at least in our culture, very open to hear the name of Christ as the only way of salvation, but the truth needs to be declared. And I want you to know there are hungry people out there like Sergius Paulus if we are willing to dare to mention the name of Christ and the hope that we have, wisely and gently and carefully. We're sent. And some of us don't have to go very far. And others will move around a lot. I've moved more than I've wanted to in my life, that I ever planned to in my life, but I believe God has used it. But we all have a mission field where we are sent in this day to bring people to faith. And a large portion of our work at Grace Chapel is to prepare one another to do that work when we gather together here for the week's work where we scatter. Are you a student? Some of you are students. Some of you are an employer. Some of you are employees. Some of you are stay-at-home parents. Some of you are caretakers for elderly parents. And that's where the Spirit of God is sending you right now. That's your field. Know your field and see through worship as we gather together to help one another worship, as we fast, as we pray, 
Who is it, Spirit of God, that you would have me go speak to, to be kind to, to begin to build a relationship with so that I can share the gospel, the hope of the gospel? And we don't have to do it alone. Sometimes we're called to be alone, but mostly it's supporting one another in that work. Equipping one another to do the work of the ministry inside and outside these walls. Join the journey. Answer the call. We are all sent, we're all set apart to some place to do that work. But I don't want you to miss this big idea. In this chapter, don't miss seeing the heart of God for the world. His heart for the lost has not changed since the Garden of Eden, when there were only two sinners who needed redemption. Somehow he hasn't grown tired of rescuing people from sin from Jesus' time to our time. It's not like God wears out like we do. He's ready to save people before he comes back. He wants people to believe in him, and we are his sent ones, called, if we're believers, to do that. God has empowered us, his church, to take that word of truth to them. See the heart of God for the world in our day. I have an acquaintance. We've just had conversations. It's not like we're buddy buddies. But he wrote an article, and it's called this, Don't Fail the Next Generation of Missionaries. I want you to hear this. Barna, you know, he's the guy who does a lot of Christian surveys. Listen to this. I think it's going to surprise you. A recent study says this. 53% of young men and 42% of young women that are involved and faithfully attending your church, our church, would consider Christian mission work as a viable option to pursue as a long-term career. That's nearly half. But no one is asking them to consider it. I think about my life and how many people God used to just nudge me into the ministry. It doesn't mean everyone's called to be a pastor. Whew, be careful about that. <laughs> or a missionary, full-time, vocationally. But we're all called and sent somewhere. But there are times when the Spirit of God sets apart those, like Saul and Barnabas, to go to places where I can't, where we can't. Did you get that? Somebody to come alongside and to see the gifts, the heart. And I can tell you, some of the youth the young people I know from ministry here for four years, they have a heart, and we just need to encourage them, whether it's full-time vocational ministry or just where they are in a career, but to be used to lead people to the gospel. 
And it's not just young people or young professionals that need to hear that. Maybe you're due for a career change, a new emphasis in the days that God would have for you here, to encourage one another, to point out the heart and the attitudes that say, God wants to use you, use your gifts, your talents for the work of the ministry. Consider the idea. Think about the young people you know and give them a word of encouragement that might push them to consider full-time vocational work or an emphasis of their life wherever their career may take them. How will we know who God is prepared to send? How will we know what corners in our neighborhood God wants us to go to? Where in our county and the surrounding areas that there's darkness that we can bring light, that we have the talents and the gifts and the people with the heart for it? How will we know who to send there? If we're all to go or some of us are to go, who should we send out there to the regions and those corners of the world that we only see in photographs? In the church in Havertown, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said, set apart to me, you fill in the blank. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your Father sent you here and you have sent us. So teach us to abide, to remain in you so that we recognize your voice Draw our hearts to you so we desire to walk with you and to have you lead us where you want us to go without fear. Give us boldness. Spirit of God, fill us with your strength and a desire to know and to hear and to follow and to obey your word. You've called us to that. You've provided for us. You've given us all we need to do your work. Help us to speak that truth and courageous words into every one's heart that we meet here today. Lord Jesus, let your love that you have for the world fill us. Help me to see the harvest fields. Help me not to be blind to them, but to see them and to take up the opportunity to work them more and more diligently. Help us, we pray, for the honor of your, and your, for the glory of your great name, so that your name is lifted up and honored as it should among many more people we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we dare follow Jesus like the disciples did? Just hear these words from Jesus. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. It's worth it. Let's worship and fast and pray and obey when the Spirit speaks. Amen. Go in God's grace.